Hi, my name is Harrison Baker. I'm an actor, songwriter, and business owner based here in New York City. Through these different creative industries, I've come across some of the most fascinating minds of our time. Artists, actors, and creative entrepreneurs have inspired me with their wisdom and insight. So I've rounded up everyone I can find and brought them here to discuss hustling hard, what it takes to make it in their respective career paths, and maybe even their spiritual journeys. I hope you enjoy. Juliette Brett was born and raised in Madison, Connecticut. Both of her parents are visual artists, and we're going to talk about that in this episode. Growing up, Brett aspired to be a ballet dancer and participated in the Central Pennsylvania Youth Ballet, which I'm sure came in handy for her current life. We'll get to that in a second. She is also no stranger to the stage, starring in her theater debut, the 2013 play The Jacksonian, alongside actor Ed Harris. On television, you may have seen her in CSI, Law and & Order, and uh, if you have Netflix, Red Oaks is a show. If you flip on your TV right now, you can catch her in the limited series on FX. It's called Verdon and Fosse. Fosse Verdon. Fosse Verdon. Thank you, co-host <laughs> Chloe. She plays Fosse's niece opposite Michelle Williams and Sam Rockwell. She was here last week, and now she's right back here again because we need to talk about her career and this show. She wasn't Fosse's niece. She was playing Fosse's daughter. Okay, thank God Chloe's here. She's playing Bob Fosse's daughter, <laughs> which is much more impressive. That's much different. <laughs> well, okay. And also, welcome Chloe Deltach, my co-host for today. Chloe, how's it hanging? Uh, it's, I mean, I guess it's like a low-hanging fruit. <laughs> that's that's di- No one knows what that means, okay? That actually means it's something that's obvious. That's what that means. It sounds, it sounds suggestive, but it only means something that's easy or obvious or attainable. Well, that's I had Julia Goldani tell us on the show, and she said that one of her career strategies is to not go for low-hanging fruit. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. She's she's trying to aim high. Yeah, it's something that's like easy, something that she can fight for. See, in my day to day life, I, I eat a lot of low hanging fruit, <laughs> <laughs> but, but I'm working on 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 not doing I'm that. I'm not eating low hanging fruit. Yes, I mean you know, I guess the yeah, who wants the quickest to fall? That's no fun. <laughs> Want to grab something that you can? Yes, fight but. For. Childhood trauma has led me to feel as though everything is imminent and urgent. Okay, okay. You want to unpack that? Yeah, for <laughs> sure. I do, actually. Okay, please. Okay. Well, I'm ready. I have so much anxiety. Oh, yeah. Yeah, me too. <laughs> have you ever noticed that? No, no. Yeah. Yeah, I have. I definitely, the 2 a.m. Po- phone calls uh, on occasion have definitely been uh, sincere indicators of uh, uh, anxiety. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a super anxious person, too. I'm always freaking out. I live, I live in fight or flight response. Fight or flight. Yeah. Yeah. It's a sure. state. It's a mental state. It's a mental state. Okay, so Jimmy, hi, that's studio engineer Jimmy. He just asked me, which do I pick? And I'm going to tell you the answer to that. I have gone to a therapist for quite some time, and she taught me that there are three Fs. There's flight, fight, flight, and freeze. And I picked freeze. (laughs) Whoa, I didn't know that there were fight, flight, and freeze. Fascinating. 
Oh, I actually, I think I fluctuate between all three. Yeah. Yeah, I go for the trident, the trifecta of anxiety. I'm, I'm, I think it's easy to run away. I don't think that I do it, I actually don't think I do it very often, but the problem is, it's just like living in that heightened state. It's no, it's no fun. It's no fun to always feel like there's danger, but I don't know, there's something about like life, it, life, it, especially in how banal it is, you know, oftentimes, I mean, like I'm freaking out about, uh, the boy I like who just asked me out and I have literally a panic attack over that. <laughs> like, you know, like that is not, this is not, you know, a jungle animal chasing me um, and me fighting for my life over that. No, it's just someone shooting me a text and being like, hey, you want to get a drink? And I'm like, <laughs> Okay, same. Can I ask you though, what is your like lo- progression of thoughts? Progression of thoughts <laughs> uh, after text? Yeah, immediate after, immediately after text. Uh, yeah, I was just like, I mean, like, this guy had just gotten, he just got uh, off of, like, a four-year relationship, and he texted me to hang out, and I was like, oh, boy, I know exactly what this means. And I also, and I, like, just was picturing, too, like, how this hurts because it's like you're always I'm always that second choice like you know or like the backwash of you know some someone's big treat you know you have this you know is with this girl for however many years and then it's like well mm, we don't have her so like let's find let's find the low-hanging fruit way to make that come full circle (laughs) okay let's unpack this a little bit do you truly feel that you are always the second option always the you know, I don't know, afterthought girl? Um, I definitely don't feel like the front and center girl. And I'm not, I'm not necessarily speaking in a dating context. I'm just saying like, uh, I think, I think just in life, you, you know, I think, I think that everyone feels like that. They never feel, I think it's very hard to feel like the it person, you know, you I feel like we all feel insubstantial in some regard or we're all fighting to be something more than what we are. Yeah, insatiable hunger. Yeah. Whether it's through sexuality um, or, I mean, sexual hunger, um, career, money. Mm -hmm. Although sometimes it is very legitimate. Totally, 100%. I mean, like, but I think that and I think that the big things that I think about probably 24-7 are career mm-hmm. and I think about relationships. Those are like the two things that are always, that are keeping me in fight or flight response. You know, like the two things that are just big, hairy monsters under my bed that I'm constantly contending with. Do you feel that your relationship to this type of anxiety is predominantly coming from yourself are you putting the pressure on yourself yeah I I don't think it's an external force I mean well I think that I mean I'm definitely adhering to certain like social constructions that or ideals that I'd like to live up to or feel that I'm supposed to live up to but at the end of the day like it's me now there are also other things too like I have to survive literally I have to survive and how do you survive? You survive with a career. 
But then in 2019, in the 21st century, you know, you also want to do a career that like you're actually passionate about. Um, and that's the right fit. So, so there's all these other, right? There's these 21st century um, primal concerns where they become primal concerns. Uh, I don't think it always started out that way, but, but it certainly is that way now. So it's me, though, at the end of the day. It's my choice, but it still freaks me out. It freaks me out to try and figure out what's next. Yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> I, I'm in therapy. I'm in therapy. I don't know how I feel about my current therapist. I'm in group therapy, though. I'm in group therapy for artists. Okay, that sounds like a much more helpful therapy for me also. I should do that. Not the one that you're in, but I should do that. Yeah, I'm in group therapy for artists, which turns out to be... Uh, really interesting it took me a while to figure it out I was just like why why am I here (laughs) what is this doing but uh and it's not I mean it's not really about the arts I mean of course that it's a component because I feel like a lot of your stress uh as an artist is very specific or it's specific from certain circumstances that are experienced by artists regularly you know and that affects your mental state but it's not it's not just that it's really about it's about deep stuff and that's what we talk about and it's interesting (laughs) it took me a really long time to come to terms with the fact that like I might never be as successful as and probably a lot of the people that you have on your podcast but uh, I am an exceptionally creative being and that's who I am you know my like I'm not that I am my creations but like that I'm meant to create like that's just what I'm supposed to be doing and and whether that is seen by a lot of people or a few people or maybe it's just me that is my art and and whoever sees it they are my audience however big however small and that to me is is how I how I define myself not by how much money that I'll make because I might never I might never make a cent on what I do and that is okay um maybe i will maybe i'll make a ton of money i don't know but the point is my my mission is to make is to fill in space to to put something that wasn't there before um and so that's kind of how i'm looking at things now because uh, i don't i don't really have i don't have a ton of control over over other aspects you don't you you do have the control to put yourself out there as as much as you can yeah. given your circumstances be them financial location whatever uh the internet is a thing even though there's so much stigma around doing that it's not even it's not even that it's just actually how um congested um con- there's a lot of content congestion um i have I have stuff I'm sitting on a lot of content right now that I have not published like just like kind of hiding it because I don't it's a matter of me figuring out how how I can do it when is the right time to do it like our web series pardon our web series start over oh that well that I mean that's yeah okay can sure we talk I, about it for a sure, second yeah we can talk we can definitely talk about it so Chloe and I made this show together. It was yeah, it was not a web series. It was one. It was a singular. Web series, it was a singular pilot entity. with um, a lot of potential. <laughs> a lot of potential. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> um, so I had never produced anything before that. Since then, I have. But what was your feelings during the recording of that? 
Uh, that I didn't know what the fuck I was doing, um, which I think is a good place to be. Uh, it is a good place to be. Uh, I think you have to not know in order to know. Uh, and even after you know, then you still don't know. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think that, um, I think it, cha- I mean, I think it's where I am. I, I think because of that, it's, that's where I am now, you know, like if I didn't, if we didn't do that, I don't think I would be, and I've also even named my, this little, the brand that I suppose I'm building is after that show that that thing that we made okay so then plug do a little plug get do that plug in grapefruitgirl.co on instagram like yes and oh, her that's, brand okay is, that's right grapefruit girl well we haven't released anything you can follow me on instagram though but nothing i but you will be seeing stuff this summer and my show i have a new show coming out it's coming out in september if you want to just check out who we are, what we do, you can start to follow grapefruitgirl.co dot co on, on Instagram. Instagram. Okay, welcome Juliet Brett. <laughs> she just got here. She's got Hi. boba tea. Hi. She's got boba. What's up? Yeah, wait, I can move this, right? Yeah, we're just going to keep rolling. We're, we're going. Hi, Juliet Brett. <laughs> Hello. Juliet Brad. Hi, Juliet Brad. Hello, Chloe Delecho. Well, look who, like, kind of said her name correctly. Yeah. Well, I've known her for a long time. She's like, yeah, Harrison's going to call her. This is always her name. (laughs) Chloe Deltach. Like a cat throwing up. Yeah, like a cat throwing up. That's accurate. Um, That's how how we speak French. It's like, it's literally to throw up. That's how you speak French. I'm just going to lounge in here. Yeah. Yeah, get comfortable. Please take your time. We're in no, we truly are in no rush. Okay. That's good. That's great. I love that. What have you guys been talking about? I don't know. What have we been talking about? Like everything, I guess. Anxiety, existentialism, and um, web series. Which you, yes. did you produce your web series? I know you were in one called Redheads Anonymous. Anonymous. That's right. Yes, I did. Oh my god! I was one of many producers on it and one of many writers on it. One of many actors on it. Wow, well, <laughs> one yeah. of many all around. Many, many. That's how you. De- that's how you have to do DIY. Is one of one of many all around. That's the saying. Miss Grapefruit many. Girl. Miss Grapefruit Girl. That hasn't. As we were just saying. Has not. Has not. I have not published anything that I have thus far. I'm like literally hiding. Hi. Everything. Oh, he's fine. He, are you checking Juliet out? So yeah, there's a giant good. window um, where we record. And this guy just stopped and looked at Juliet up and down. So oh how do you feel nodded. about that? What? Well, he's actually going up to this bar that I literally tried to get into three hours ago. It's a rooftop on top of here. Oh, Let me just swallow my boba f- before I continue. <laughs> and um, and um, they scanned my ID and it got rejected because I guess my ID has been expired for three or four months. So I couldn't get into the rooftop bar. Oh. I thought you were going to say because you look so young. Well, that has happened many times I'm in my sure. life. I'm sure. I couldn't imagine a time when it doesn't happen. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Wow. I didn't. Yeah. Expired IDs. That'll get you. I got, I once got a speeding ticket and I had a expired ID. It was not a good day. Was, Did they charge you extra? Um, I cried actually. You cried your Did way out of work? ticket? It did work? Yeah. I think that my, mo- my mother used to say that's the only time you should cry is to get out of the parking ticket um, it was a speeding ticket in this case so yeah I mean it was useful Sheila Gray was totally useful in my life I, <laughs> I have 100% utilized that shit my 
whole life. You have complete access to your crying abilities. Yes. Anytime I need to do it, I will do it. To save my ass, I will do it. I did not, it did not save my job though. I got fired and I tried, I cry, I mean, I really, I did a wonderful performance. I, I, I did the best <laughs> oh years my of Oscar my life. winning. I, yeah, it would, I could have won an Oscar and I still got fired. <laughs> oh, are you talking about the job that I partially got you fired from? Yeah, I was working at this, I was working at this tech company, uh, very miserably, I might add. And, uh, Carlos, who's someone is a DP that we work with, uh, I had said that week, so weird, I said, I need to get fired from my job so I can get unemployment benefits and then figure out who I am. That week I said that. Carlos calls me, he says, I need <laughs> I need to use your office to film something. I said, I'm gonna get fired if I give you the keys. He says, No, no, you're not. I said, Yeah, I am. I'm here are the keys. And so I gave the keys. For for people listening, Chloe gave the keys to her office of how many people? 30 to 50? A large office. She gave the keys to this this young man. Yeah, all right. Well, I didn't give a shit. (laughs) He was trustworthy, though. What? Question mark? But she doesn't own the the company. I don't, right. I don't. It was a a CPI compliance violation uh, because. I don't know, in case Carlos, like, hacked the computers, I guess he could get people's credit card information, maybe. Um, anyway. So the way that I'm partially responsible is because this other French girl, Chloe's also French, comes up on the elevator, and she gets out of the elevator, and she did not have a nice demeanor. And mm-hmm. she said, who are you? And I said, I'm, I'm Harrison. I'm here No, for- no, Harrison, I think I think she said you you were very, you accosted her, at least verbally accosted oh, her. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I was just really anxiety-ridden and confused because they I wasn't able to get into the office. So um, when she came up, I thought she was part of the crew. Right. So in excitement, I said like, oh my God, you must be part of this crew. Can you get me in? And that like freaked her out because she was like, "You're on my floor. What Who crew? Are you? Right. What right. are you talking about?" So yeah. then she, so so I don't mean that, you know. And then apparently there were 16 people there. I was not plot like okay, but stick to the story. <laughs> um. Anyway, so I guess there were like 16 people there. <laughs> I didn't actually know how many people. And this were rude be girl there. got her fired. No, and all but, Chloe did but was. What was so funny though was that she took away, she took the ID from Carlos, and I had actually, <laughs> I had drawn myself as a hairy, mo- as a hairy monster. So, but she was still able to read that it was me, <laughs> because even though I had drawn myself to like, I draw with sh- Sharpie, like I had like like two eyes like oh. on my head and like. I had this like really mangy hair and like you couldn't really read my name tag, but she's that bitch. She could still read. I just want to also point out that Harrison said that you were the niece to Bob Fosse. I just really need to. Point I don't understand that out. why that's such a you big know, deal. It's hard. It's hard. There's a lot of you know. question. Does Bob Fosse have an actual niece and does he have an actual daughter? Well, I would hope he has an actual daughter. Nicole Fosse is really his daughter. Is she alive? Yes. Did you meet she was her? an executive producer on this series. <gasps> I did know that. Okay, yes. was there any kind of stress? For anyone listening, we've changed this discussion to Verdon and Fosse. Welcome. It's a roller coaster of emotions. <laughs> Juliet Brett starring on Verdon and Fosse. Fosse Verdon. I fucking <laughs> I, I know. Fosse <laughs> Verdon. What nights is it on? Tuesday nights, 10 p.m. on FX. FX. 
did a promo once for FX. It was actually really cool. You did? I did, yeah. So, <laughs> Fosse and Verdon. You know Nicole Fosse now. Yes, we have gotten manicures and pedicures together. <laughs> it was for the show. There was a scene where my feet had the potential of being shown and my toes were very ugly. Nice. And so she... Is there any feeling like, damn, I hope I portray this girl well and she like... I would feel such an extra amount of pressure. Oh, totally. I mean, I think, um, you know, there was a lot of pressure because there's a lot of... You know, people make a lot of assumptions about her and her relationship to her parents because, you know, they were both such big personalities Mm -hmm. um, who had... You know, each of them had their own unique, wild world um, spinning around them. So people sort of, I think, assume that Nicole had suffered a lot. Um, And in talking to Nicole, it was really clear that she really deeply loved both of her parents. And she had a really strong relationship with both of them uniquely. Um, so there was a lot of, you but know, did she also that. suffer a lot? I mean, I think, you know, she was a teenager growing up with two parents who were both incredibly famous and, you know, her Bob Fosse won, um, the triple crown. He won an Oscar, uh, Tony and I think either an Emmy or a, or a, um, Grammy all in the same year. Oh my god! Wow, he for was the same project for was it Sweet Charity. It might have been, I well, or was it Cabaret? It might have been Cabaret. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, he was the first person to ever win that. So, oh wow, he was mass. I mean, he was massively famous. And Gwen Verdon, um, which is sort of why this show is being made, she was massively famous in her own right. I mean, she was the Broadway star of that time. Um, And she also was a huge collaborator of Bob Fosse's and made his shows what they were undercover behind, you know, behind the scenes. People didn't realize that about her, how much of an influence she had on She was the strong woman behind the man. Totally. Cool. I mean, that's, you know, that's sort of why they they made this series to go back and sort of correct that history. Oh, okay, to show how, how prevalent she was. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, to sort of give credit back. It's still so frustrating, I think. Like, I mean, I realize, like, things have come so far, blah, blah, blah. But, like, it, it really is frustrating, like, how much men have dominated, white men specifically, you know, obviously, have dominated art and culture. Mm-hmm. Like, even, I was at the Met the other day, and I'm in, you know, looking at paintings, and literally, it's... It's just men, you know? And, like, and the same thing in art. Every great musical is yeah. written by men. Choreo- choreographers. They're all yeah. men. I agree. And also, I'm, I'm so happy we keep having these discussions, specifically in the case of Juliet's project, um, or the project that Juliet is a part of, Verdon and Fosse. Fosse Verdon. Okay. Fosse Thank God Verdon. Chloe's here. Maybe one day I'll get it. <laughs> In the case of Fosse Verdon, I know that Michelle Williams was attracted to this project specifically because it was equal pay. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Yeah. Like, that was one of the original reasons she signed on. Yeah. Whoa. And she also, you know, is a producer on it. 
Oh. Sam Rockwell's a producer on it. So you got to hang with Michelle Williams. Yes. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I can... Michelle Williams to me is in like like everything. Yeah. How do you feel about Michelle she's Williams? She's so phenomenal. I mean, she's an incredible performer. Yeah. I don't know how she does what she does. Um, in watching, you know, I've been watching... We're coming up onto episode seven of the eight-episode limited series. And she plays, I think, over a span of 30 years, this character. And her voice is completely different. She sounds exactly like Gwen Verdon sounded like, her speaking voice. I mean, she's a master of the She dances in it. She sings in it. Um, And on top of that, she's like a really great person the great person part is the thing that I think admire the most I would admire the most is just because I feel like it is so especially when you're that successful I feel like it's so easy it it can so easily efface your humanity and I think that when someone can like kind of maintain their sort of their heart the heart their heartbeat (laughs) the thing that makes them human I'm like whoa that's actually wow they are an amazing person and an amazing artist I also think, too, though, Juliet, like, I think everyone has that in them, you know? Like, everyone can be that their Michelle Williams or, like, their own version of it. Like, given, I know this is, like, I, that's a very radical thing to no, say, I realize. Continue. But, like, like I, you don't know how she does it, but you could do it. Like, I would not question it. I would not question that if given the cha- chance and over the over span of time, like, yeah. Totally. It's just about, it's just choices, right? It's just choices. And it's, what's interesting is that it's, it, I mean, what I really learned from working on this series was like, it's not only doing great work in a scene. Mm-hmm. She literally is working five days a week, 12 hour days. Every single day she's preparing another 15 to 20 pages of dialogue for the following day. Mm-hmm. Songs, dances. Right. It's 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 not only someone who's talented at their craft. Right. It's someone who is has incredible stamina, incredible yeah. discipline, incredible. Um, so, I mean, sure, I think sure you can say like everyone has that within them, but I think it takes a really special. I think it's something to aspire to. It takes yeah. an incredible person to actually pull all of that together oh, sure. and pull that off. <laughs> and stay like, healthy. Wow. Right? And stay healthy. And, if, stay healthy. If and she's a mother possible. too. Oh my goodness. Yeah. It's wild. That is wild. It's so impressive. Let's talk about health because this is really central to my own life mm-hmm. and uh, I would hope everyone's life. Sure. Work-life balance, health, Yes. Thoughts. Do you feel healthy? I feel healthy now because it's a beautiful day out. <laughs> oh my god! Right. Um. Yeah. I mean, I was having a full blown anxiety attack about three hours ago. Great. <laughs> Thank you. It okay. happens to all of us. It does yeah. happen to all of us. It thank, really thank does. Thank you for saying that. I have anxiety attacks. Oh my god! All the time. Every every damn day. <laughs> I wake up. I had a fight with my friend the other day because she goes, so we're editing this project, right? And she goes, Chloe, you live in a world where you don't make mistakes. And I'm like, Becca, I woke up this morning and it was a fucking mistake. You know, like that's how I feel <laughs> most days. 
most days. Yeah. I mean, like, it's, I cycle through it. It's just like, you know, and sometimes it feels great. Today was sunny. I loved it. I loved everything. Juliet, you're on a hit show. You're working with an Emmy, an Emmy winning actress. Oscar winning actress. Oscar. I know she's won a few different awards. <laughs> Michelle Williams is the shit, period. No yes. matter what award she has or hasn't won. Do you feel, um, how do you feel? Do you feel good? Do you feel healthy? Do you feel ready for the next project? Yeah. Um, I guess sort of to the point Chloe was just making, um, for me, it affirmed that. Um, I can be working, you know, that, that people who, who work on these things are people. Right. And it's yeah. not some unattainable Totally. I love that. Thing. Yes. And um, so for me, for some, for some unknown reason, this project was not nerve-wracking for me. For some unknown reason like from the audition to being on set I felt really comfortable and I'm not mm-hmm. entirely sure why that is because that's insane no <laughs> I'm gonna say it's it's fucking magic we have to um, embrace that let's embrace like when things like that happen that yeah. role like literally I was thinking about this like there is literally no one else who could have played that like it the role was meant for you Nice. We have to, we have to, we have to respect that sort of like a cosmic occurrence. And did it feel kismet and cosmic? Did it feel right place, right time? Totally. Um, yeah, I mean, I was last, so last week, my first episode that I appear in aired and I was terrified. I was mm-hmm. like having anxiety attacks all day. Like that was knowing that it was going to air and all these people were going to see it was way more anxiety provoking than actually being there doing mm-hmm. the work because when you're like there doing the work you're focusing on the work but then like being stepped away from it and like thinking that all these people were going to see it and I hadn't seen any of it yet I watched it for the first time with everyone else and I hadn't seen any dailies of anything when we were filming all I knew was my own experience of what I was experiencing while I was acting on set so it was crazy to see it for the first yeah. time with everyone. How was it? How was it seeing seeing it? I was happy with it. Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen it yet. I don't have I don't have cable. So, but I real I know I I'm going to see it. No, that's okay. You can I think you can get it on like Amazon you or YouTube. I think as well. you have to buy. I think you have to buy it. But mm-hmm. I'm go. I'm like, I did it. I'm doing like a TV cleanse for a while until I finish nice. this one project I'm working mm-hmm. on, and then I'm like, then I. I but Fosse Verdon actually has been like my top because. I think of all the shows out there, I think it's probably... That and, like, Fleabag season two. Yeah. Like... You those. can wait until it comes out and then binge it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. It, until it all comes out. Yeah. For sure. Do you feel that part of the reason you may have been so comfortable in the audition process has to do with your extensive background in dance? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think also I've been getting to a point... I, I actually thought about quitting acting <laughs> this past year um or leaving it uh. and trying out a different tactic um part of it I was actually just talking about this with my friend part of it was that I was tired of like constantly exposing myself in a way like I was I was feeling a little bit burnt out um and like, or like trying really hard for something and like totally opening myself up to Ugh. a part in an audition yeah. and then not getting it. Or, you know, just like that constant like 
extending yourself. So when I got this audition, I had just come back from a vacation in Mexico City, (laughs) and I was in this position where I was like, well, whatever, I'm not going to be doing this for much longer anyway, probably, so why not just, like, who cares? Just go into the audition and, you know, whatever. So the nerves were... Low, I wasn't low. nervous. Yeah. Okay. Non-existent. Was, yeah. That's like such a Denise Goff story. Like, who's Denise Goff? So she was in the show um, People, Places, and Things, mm-hmm. uh, which was so at, good. Which was crazy. Yeah. Was, the show was freaking wild. Um, it was at the National. Actually, no. It was first. I I can't did remember. I run into you there? I don't think so. Yeah, I did sense. run it. Wait, funny story though. I did run into Zoe Kazan, and I thought it was you. Which you don't look like Zoe Kazan, but I was, and we stared I'm at so each other. I'm so flattered. <laughs> we stared at each other for like. I a mean, good... that you thought I was Zoe Kazan, not that you think I don't look like her because she's really stunning. <laughs> she is. She is though. But like, I just thought because of the, you have the same energy, so I like I looked at her. We, we stared at each other for five seconds, which is a long time, mm-hmm. and. I was like, and we just looked at each other, and, I, and she realized that she didn't know me, and I realized that I didn't know her, and we just, like, parted. So I did see her there. But People, Places, and Things was um, this actress, um, amazing actress. Incredible. She, incredible actress. She was also in Angels in America, uh, which came to Broadway oh, here. Damn. Yeah, but she uh, she hadn't worked in a year. She she always, you know, she, she struggled a lot as an actor. She, I think she even struggled with things that were similar to the content in the show um not quite addiction but like you know she she had a tough time she had a tough time um and she was ready to quit acting she didn't give a shit she came in with a bag of sugar and uh and did like six or like three scenes of this really intense show about a drug addict and she got the part they had been searching for weeks and months to find this this girl and and that was how it happened so it's really it's like i think it's like also it could be just like i don't know destiny telling you like hey like not yet yeah not not just yet yeah 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 i mean i think before this happened i was feeling like it was so um impossible and inaccessible or like feeling like that people who were working on that level had some other touched by god thing that was in no way shape or form for me i like i feel like that regularly (laughs) but but on set oh my god the amount of actors and celebrities i know some of them are not only not touched by god they're touched by satan they're like they're like not good people and they're some are not even committed and they're still getting work yeah not committed to the craft they they do show up to their job right then at that point it's like it's just because they're already working that i think there's a lot of people in in decision making positions of power who don't actually know what they're watching so they they go off of they say like oh so and so hired that person therefore they must be good um. rather than actually seeing what's in front of them and knowing if it's good or not like a lot of people in decision making places of power I don't think actually have a sense of what is good and what is bad I yeah I think you're right (laughs) I think you're right but like I mean going back to what you're saying like yeah I think it's I, I think if there's no other profession that where that is so that viewpoint of like this hierarchy of like being Untouchable, or like this kind of like apotheosis, uh, apotheosis that someone experiences when they hit fame, mm-hmm. right? 
and like how inaccessible that can feel and also how invisible it makes you feel like I know like I think the one thing that I have regular anxiety over is just like I feel totally invisible which is like something that I'm coming to terms with I'm like okay like this this is but all I have is my art like so it's like I have to make that relationship and take care of that relationship and whatever else happens outside of that is not it's out of my control but like I have to I have to maintain a healthy relationship with what I make and put TLC into that and not care about the other stuff but it's hard it's really hard yeah like I mean you know because you're you're crying out to deaf ears most of the time, at least for me going back to what you were saying about work-life balance I think um like what you're saying of you know respecting your art and everything I think the thing that I've really been learning in the last few years is like I think when I was younger I had this concept of like oh if I can just book these things it'll change my life or like my life will be different or I'll be much happier Mm -hmm. I feel this I feel totally the same as I felt (laughs) four months ago I just worked on something that was cool but like me as a person mentally and emotionally I still feel the same I don't think that I think the idea of like if I make it you know like I don't think it ever gets easier like it's about your personal life and how you balance your own life and balance your work with your life and the relationships you have with the people around you and who who you have surrounding you and um what your other interests are that don't have anything to do with how much money you're going to make or what your quote-unquote worth is um that make you a balanced person it's not like succeeding in your work goals okay i i understand that because i make more money now than i did obviously at the beginning of college when i first started acting at eight years old um like this year has been like probably the most amount of money i've ever made and it is literally just a tool it it sometimes makes me more stressed out sometimes makes me more comfortable Mm -hmm. but it's literally just a number in in a in an app basically on my Mm -hmm. phone I think the the best thing that someone told me was that money was a limitless resource, uh, and in fact it is. A limitless resource? Yes. How so? Because there's always more of it to be made. Oh, mic drop. Yeah, mic drop, mic drop. It's currency, right? That's like literally what it is. It comes in, comes out. That's that's what it is. It's It's nothing that you own. The only thing that you have to own is yourself preach and your choices your words your actions you i I truly feel that the only way to fail life is to not be kind to people (laughs) because even those people still win so like i don't know not by my metric i really think that they've failed if they've if they've left a legacy of meanness deaf (laughs) in some respect for sure just depends I know really terrible people that, like, have really great lives. So, like, I don't know. (laughs) I think it's all, and, you know, like, I don't know. It's a toss. It's literally a toss. Like, I think life can be a coin toss sometimes. Sometimes. (laughs) Well, there's also no point in, like, I hear what you're saying. It's, like, about these little moments. Like, being kind to people. Like, those are, like, moment-to-moment interactions that are important that affect people. Like, I don't think anyone actually in a hundred years is going to remember anything or have any personal connection. Like, art, for example. Movies, TV shows, web series, whatever. Theater. 
like in a hundred years, ninety nine percent of people are not gonna go know who even like Ryan Gosling was, you know, um, or Kate Blanchett. Like people in a hundred years probably aren't gonna know who those people are, other than like maybe knowing their name, but they won't know the art they created probably. Like looking back a hundred years, I don't necessarily know everyone who is famous or know their body of work. So it's like, what is the point in living if that's the only thing that you're living for? Like, your life is literally, like, your life to um, make the best of in the specific time period that you're in. Like, I don't, I've sort of stopped believing in, like, needing to make your mark. Like, what are you trying to make your mark for? (sighs) Unless it's for something good to directly affect the people in Mm -hmm. your current time period and affect change in other people's lives <laughs> would either of you want to be like what are like what are some of your dream roles do you have any i'll let her start first juliet i don't know you know i've thought about this question before i think that i really love new works and like reading i i really love working with people who have inventive who are writers and creators and um I just want to see what else is out there like I don't know that I have like a dream role like sure I could say I want to play Juliet in Romeo and Juliet because why not are you named after Juliet in Romeo and Juliet I'm not okay I'm named after my grandmother yeah oh nice Chloe, um, dream role? Yeah, no, no, it's not. I was going to say it's E-E-T-E-T-E. But it's oh, not, yeah, but yeah. still. The, okay, do you have a dream role? Um, no. Wait, what? No. I have, I mean, like, I have, I have, like, things that I, I'm interested in. and Like dream I, um, archetype, I mean. Even. I do. <laughs> That's <laughs> yours. Okay, yeah, we'll just, I mean, we can start with yours. I want to be a serial killer. I also want to be a serial killer victim. Wow. I want to be on both sides Ooh. of that. Oh. And I auditioned for the Menendez brothers. I auditioned for a few serial killers, but I didn't get them. Obviously. You would be a good serial killer. Thanks. Yeah, you would. So Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think, like, for me, like, the, actually, the weird thing that I've been thinking of, um, I well, I think what I really, really want to do, and, like, so I haven't, so I'm, like, sitting on a bunch of, like, stuff right now, like, a bunch of projects that I have not released because I'm scared uh, shitless. <laughs> um, but I, I think what I'm really interested in just, like, finishing these projects that I'm doing and, like, exploring these characters that I'm building right now. And, like, that at – I don't know if I can think in, like, long-term contexts anymore because I feel like that it's – there's too many variables. Like, I don't know. But I can think, like – I can think within the next few months. I can think about this character that I'm really interested in right now who I've been, you know, spending a lot of time with. And, and you know kind of scoping her out and I'm like oh yeah I'm like really interested in her right now but like I can't tell you like what what kind of roles that I want other than like there's things that I want to finish there's things I want to complete and things that I want to like just throw caution to the wind and put it out there and just leave it at that are you not putting it out there purely out of fear 
Well, I, I think it's more complicated than that because there is there is sort of a logistical aspect to it because I don't have an audience. Are you hiding behind this logistical excuse? Because uh, it's sounding like no, an excuse not, to me. Well, not, not necessarily. Um, I put this show out and it had no audience and now it does. I uh, I have about three, three and a half, uh, f- yeah, three and a half months worth of stuff that I need to be making until this show uh, comes out, this first show. Your web series. Then, Yes. My oh my god! I think series. it's so funny. Thank I you, genuinely. I want to talk about how we all have a background in dance. Mine is the most minimal. You two have formal ballet training, correct? That's true. We actually both have the same instructor, Darla Hoover. Wait, speak oh, up. That's this is right. very interesting. Darla Hoover. We both trained with. But you trained Darla. far more extensively with her. No, actually not really. I trained with a lot of people from Boston Ballet, New York City Ballet, and then like we had this like Russian invasion and that got real weird. <laughs> really weird. That's a story into itself. My experience as a ballet dancer, like that's a great story never told and it's dark. Very. I dark. don't know anyone who has a ballet story that That's is not, not dark. dark. That's like I had a great time, and um, <laughs> I, don't, I mean, maybe, yeah, I, I don't know no, anyone. No, I consider yeah. ballet as my first heartbreak. So, oh my god, please tell. <laughs> well, Me I don't want to. Oh my god, yeah. What's totally. your What's your dark story, Chloe? What's my? Well, I mean, one of them has nothing to do with me. One of them just had to do with that the ballet instructor. I wonder who's gonna listen. Did to this she podcast. hurt you? No, he, he, he sorry. was sleeping with three of the girls in the class. How old were they? 16. Uh, he was married to one of the other principal ballet instructors. And so he had an affair with all three girls. And obviously he was living with his wife. And then uh, he messed up this other girl so badly. She had an, she got an eating disorder. This girl literally could have gotten a job at New York City Ballet in a second. He ruined her life. Uh, she now does like Earth Mermaid, which is this like really weird transcendental dance movement thing, like in a farm with like llamas. Like that's what she I does now. I could be so down for that. Anyway, that doesn't have to do with me. I have my own traumas from ballet, but I'm gonna I'm gonna turn it to Juliet before we get into any of my dramas. Yeah, no, I mean, I think there's just something. It's it's one of the only art forms that I can think of that is incredibly restrictive in what you're allowed to create. Like there yeah. is nothing limitless Gross. about ballet. <laughs> um, you have to have the right body, the right feet, the right. Etc. Etc. I mean, I was too short, and I had a gymnast's body, so I was never really quite. I I just realized I danced until I was fourteen. Um, I'm getting hives thinking about it. Wow, slightly hyperventilating. Literally (laughs) causing a visceral reaction. Um, and I went to. I grew up in Connecticut, but I went to Pennsylvania to study for. Uh, about a year which is a very very good school by the way like it's cpyb sab jackie o these are like the premier east coast really good schools um and i just realized like you know in my small school in my hometown i was i had been you know at the top of the pool but then i got there and i was literally like it was me and nine-year-olds like the nine-year-olds were dancing 40 hours a week 
six days a week, two to three classes a day since they had been six. Yeah. And they were, by the time they were my age, they were going to be ready to enter into a professional company. So just like seeing, like, it's the it's the only art that, like you can't enter into it as an older person and it like really sets you know it set a lot of things in my personality as well Ugh, absolutely. like I really had to fight hard to be able to speak up when I was experiencing something negative because in ballet like you don't talk mm-hmm. you have like um you make yourself small in a lot of ways. You you make yourself big when you're dancing, but in terms of your personality, like the goal is to train so that you could fit into the court of ballet. So that you could fit into a core of 40 other girls and literally be uh, literally be indiscernible from any of the other 39 girls that you're with. Like the goal is to match everyone in quality of movement, in look, mm-hmm. in personality. Um, to train the individuality out of you. I think, I think, and speaking to that, I think that that's actually why it was such a traumatic experience for me because physically I tried to fit so hard and my body literally broke. I, I still suffer the consequences of ballet. I, I have what they call psoriatic arthritis, which was from a dance injury because I had punched out two pieces of cartilage and tore both my labrums. And and I have a shoulder tear also from dance. Um, but it was because I was trying to fit myself into what was expected of me and physically. And like, I didn't eat, I didn't eat. I had lived a very stressful life and, and I, I pay my dues every day for that. Like, yeah. So, it's really interesting. I hadn't thought about how upsetting ballet had been to me. I mean, ballet brought me a lot of joy in a lot of ways. Dancing on stage gave me my first experience of expressing myself in front of an audience, which is, I think, why I was able to become an actor, because I was, like, hooked into that. But when I was filming Fosse Verdon, there's an episode where I, mm-hmm. I'm in a ballet recital. And I was in a leotard and tights, in stiff, unbroken in ballet shoes, on a school auditorium stage, in front of a hundred extras, Michelle, Sam, the whole creative team, the crew. And I started having a panic attack because all of these feelings rushed back into my body of like not being good enough, not being, you know, and there were the the other dancers who were like in my class are all amazing, incredible, beautiful dancers, but they are dancers. So I felt like I couldn't quite keep up with them. Um, I just all of these feelings rushed back, and I felt like I was like fourteen again on stage, and it made me realize how much ballet emotionally affected me, and like how much I really had to like shake myself out of that world to become an actor the body keeps score it doesn't forget it really doesn't forget i completely agree with you and there's so much i want to say about that but i do have a follow-up question for juliet you experienced the panic attack on set filming time is of the essence time is money what do you do well luckily the in the scene i was supposed to be upset um because 
I see my parents not watching me. Um, this is airing on Tuesday night, so by the time this this podcast airs, it will already be out. <laughs> um, but I see them not watching me, so I'm supposed to be upset, luckily. And um, Tommy Kell, the director, was incredibly good with the situation. He, like, saw that I was struggling, and he, he knew... I, I really strongly don't believe that actors should ever be out of control. Like, I hate the idea. In that moment, I was not fully in control of myself. I've never experienced that, where I've been on a job and not been able to control myself or needed someone else to do something to help me get to where I needed to go. Um, I, I strongly believe that good acting is not, like being out of control or putting yourself in a situation where the emo- the only way the emotion can come out is if, you know, you're in danger. All this, Sadistic yeah. abuse. Yeah. I strongly don't believe in any of that stuff. But anyway, so I was not in control in this moment when I was having this panic attack. And um, Tommy came over and he, he, like, you know, really saw that I was struggling. And he really sort of calmed me down and, like, reminded me that, Luckily, we were going into a scene where I was supposed to be upset, so he sort of just helped me breathe and move through it and just was very comforting and supportive, Um, which I'm so lucky that that's... that it was him. I agree. (laughs) Because many directors would not Not know how to handle it. Luckily, you Um, you were signed on to a good project with real um, people who haven't... Yeah, and artists artists with integrity, because there Mm -hmm. are sadistic artists, but... That does not sound like this project. It sounds like a really no. good experience. Oh, best Healthy. experience of my life, yeah. Really? Sweet. Yes. Yeah. Okay, we have to wrap up. Questions for um, both of you. You can Chloe, now that you've when so let's set a date. When does your series come out? Uh, when can people see it and where can they stream it? Uh, so that the streaming aspect little little complicated but um so you will you will start seeing things from me uh coming this june uh but the actual series itself will not be dropped until september so you will have three whole months of just watching some new stuff that we're working on to gear up for that That's september i'm looking forward to it juliet when does the movie that you're shooting right now you probably don't have a release date i don't have a release date for that i'm sorry we didn't get to talk about it Wait, yeah what That's movie right. well we have to wrap up oh. with the final three questions okay final three and i am gonna have you answer them again if that's okay yes juliet was here last week and she's gonna answer them again but okay. we'll go back Fine, and forth yeah, yeah. so first your intention for your career and if you also want to include for your life are you asking me? Both of you, yes. You go first. No, go ahead, Chloe. <laughs> no, I'm not ready for this question. Um, my she intention. Is she got asked last well, week. I think last week I said I can't remember what I said last good, week. Good, good. So I'm just gonna make up a new one. Um, to uh, believe that whatever level I want to work on, I'm capable of working on. Ah, oh, such a good one. So snaps to that. I love that, Chloe. You want to drop some knowledge? Drop some knowledge. Um, oh, shit. Um, I think that my big career goal is to have courage. 
Amen. I, literally, I just like just breathe and have courage. It's Amen. Juliet, your hope for the world. That people listen to each other more. Chloe, your hope for the world. Yeah, I think I think that was a really good because I was gonna say breathing because I just feel like I think literally if people just took a fucking breath for just like a fucking second, maybe there would be less fighting. Go, go get your ganja. Go get your CBD. <laughs> CBD is legal in all fifty states. It works. I promise. Um, <laughs> I get it makes me sleepy, but yeah, sure. <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, Juliet, final prayer. Take your time. Final prayer. Have empathy for one another. Chloe, final prayer. I think that creativity is inside each and every one of us. And I think that we can create positive change if we choose to do so. Thank you. Beautiful. <laughs> we done? We're done. All right. Yay. Thank you for joining us. Remember to come back next week when I speak with a new friend to figure out what makes their creative spirit grow. Thank you to NYU for hosting us. Thank you to my studio engineer, Jake. And thank you to you, the listener. I truly hope you learned something. If you want to keep up with any of my creative projects or to see what I'm up to, you can check out my website, harrisonvbaker.com or any of my social medias, which is just harrisonvbaker.